well, I want to share a short message with you. And it comes from really what we're in right now. This is Holy Week in church calendars. Thank you so much. You can keep playing. This is the week that Jesus would go to the cross. And on the calendars that churches look at all over the world, whether it's a Catholic church, a Protestant church, charismatic church, uh, a Methodist church, they label this week Holy Week, Passion Week. This was the week that Jesus would come riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and people would lay down their palm branches as he came in lowly on a donkey. Now, Jesus was the savior. He was the king. And the Jews were expecting Jesus to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. So they were hoping he was going to come riding in on a big white horse and, you know, overthrow Caesar, overthrow uh, uh, all the leaders in the Roman government. But instead, Jesus came in on the lowliest of animals. He came in on the donkey. And when he came riding in on the donkey, there was a disturbance in the city. All of Jerusalem was disrupted. They were disrupted from their busy schedule. They were disrupted from their busy religious activities. They were disrupted by all the plans they were, you know, laying out for the week. This changed everything. When Jesus came to town, he began to drive people out of the temple. He began to call this temple back to a place of prayer, back to a place of authenticity, back to a place of surrender to God. And the religious leaders began to look for ways that they could kill him. And during Holy Week, Jesus would find out that one of his closest friends was plotting his own betrayal. And it doesn't escape me that during this week, right now in America, we had doctors and scientists tell us that this would be the saddest week of many Americans' lives. It was on the news this last week when President Trump and several of the doctors and nurses and, and the attorney general and the surgeon uh, got on there and began to talk that this would be one of the most difficult, painful weeks of American lives. Today, I was on the phone with pastors in New York and one of the pastors was just in tears and he said, I feel like I'm pastoring in exile. He said, everywhere I look, people are leaving our city. They can't afford to pay for the rent. Everywhere I look, people are losing someone that's related to them. And this pastor began to just share his heart as we prayed for New York. I was on the phone with a guy who pastors in California and, and then on the phone with pastors that are all over the world, someone in Canada and, and others that are in Australia. And one pastor in Philippines, he said, only one of us is allowed to leave our house every day. They watch us. And if anyone's outside of the house, more than two people, you get a fine, you get a ticket. And our world is going through a very strange time right now. You know, what I don't want to do is just paint this beautiful, amazing, hope-filled picture that does not address the reality of what we're facing right now. But I also know that this, I don't think it's a coincidence that the week that's supposed to be the most painful week is also the week in the church calendar that was the most painful week for Jesus. This holy week was the week that Jesus would be betrayed by people who were close to him. The spirit of Judas has lingered quietly and now it's starting to become vocal again. In fact, in China, they said there was a spike of divorces. There was a spike of betrayals amongst friendships, families, relationships, people who had different opinions about this virus. Some people who believed one way, some people believed another way. And what we're seeing is this Judas that attacked Jesus is still attacking today. And what I warn all of us tonight is that we wouldn't find ourselves 
practicing the same ways of Judas. That we would check our hearts and say, is there anything in me that's volatile? Is there anything in me that's mean, that's bitter, that's angry, that's offended, that's jealous, that's wanting to betray those that are closest to me? Because even Jesus would face this, not just with Judas, but even Peter would deny Jesus. In the midst of Holy Week, there was pain, there was blood, there was tears, there was cheers, but there was a lot of spears too. There was a lot of pain in the midst of Holy Week. And Jesus would go through all of it, and even the people who betrayed Jesus, Jesus would open his arms back up and say, I'm praying for you, I love you. The same way that Jesus forgave those who betray him is the way that we as Christians are called to treat those who betray us, those who hurt us the most. This is not eye for an eye. This is not dog eat dog world. This is not survival of the fittest. The greatest commandment Jesus gave is not to try to out survive your brothers, but to out love one another, to love each other, to serve each other, to become a servant of all. During Holy Week, Jesus would get on his knees and he would wash his disciples' feet. And they'd say, oh, no, no, don't touch the feet. The feet are dirty. Don't do that. You shouldn't be around us. We're unclean. We're dirty. We're infected. And yet Jesus got right up next to the infected people. And he didn't shut down. And he didn't spread rumors. And he didn't start divisive wars. He just went in and he served and he loved and he forgave and he cleaned and he washed and he brought people with him through Holy Week. And God is with you right now in Holy Week. He's with you wherever you're watching from. California, New York, Oklahoma, Texas. He's with you. The word that God told me to, to share with you tonight is this right here. Meet me in Gethsemane. Meet me in Gethsemane. There's four gardens mentioned in the Bible. In Genesis, we, we hear about the Garden of Eden. It's where God created the first communion relationship with man. And God would talk to Adam just like I'm talking to you. They'd be right there walking through the garden. There were other gardens mentioned in the Bible, but the Garden of Gethsemane was probably the most important garden that was mentioned because it was in this garden that Jesus would bring the betrayal. He would bring the hurts. He would bring the questions. He would bring the uncertainty. And he would bring it all into that garden. In that Garden of Gethsemane, it was, it was a place of crushing, a place of pressing. That's where they pressed the olives in order to get the, the wine and the juice and, and what they would serve at meals, it would be a place where they crushed, they stepped on, and they would push it out. What happens when you get squeezed? What happens when you get pressed, when you get crushed? What comes out? Anger, hurt, bitterness, strife? What comes out, or is it love, forgiveness, compassion, generosity? selflessness, putting others before us, humility. Meet me in Gethsemane. In, in Luke 22, Jesus was headed to Gethsemane and he began to share his final moments with his disciples. And I want to read it to you. On this same night, Judas had agreed to betray Jesus for 30 silver coins. Everybody has a price. But those who are truly committed to Jesus, they understand that the price has already been paid and they're committed. They're committed till death do us part. 
they're committed to Christ. Salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you everything. Judas betrayed Jesus. And that night, Jesus invited his disciples to a supper and he said, I'm giving you a commandment, love one another. This is the greatest commandment you can have is to love one another. When I say meet me in Gethsemane, I'm saying meet me at the place where what you want dies to what God wants. What your desire is, is surrendered to what God's desire is. Gethsemane is a place where everything that's not of love gets stripped out of you, gets pulled out of you, gets squeezed out of you. So that way you're reduced to nothing but love. Just say this with me, reduce me to love. Nothing but love. If it's not love, it's not God. If it's not love, it's not the Holy Spirit. If it's not love, it's not Jesus. God is love. He said, this is the commandment I give you is to love one another, love your neighbors. This week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna give groceries. We're gonna give help. We're gonna give hope. We're gonna give people a chance to receive Christ. We're gonna show an amazing Easter film that our church has prepared just for you, and we want the world to see it. We're believing God that over the next five days, over a million people will be impacted by the story of Jesus through this church. Come on, how many wanna help us spread the word? This is not an hour for us to be quiet about what we believe in. This is not an hour for us to be numb to the gospel or to say, oh, I'll go, but I don't know if I'm gonna tell anyone about it. We need your voice. Just imagine if 10,000 people shared this film message with all of their followers. Every one of you has followers. You might have 10, you might have 10 friends on Facebook, you might have 100 friends. But imagine if all of us decided that we're gonna meet Jesus in Gethsemane this week. We're gonna put aside politics, we're gonna put aside opinions, we're gonna put aside our selfish desires, we're gonna put aside numbness, we're gonna put aside religious activities, and we are going to Gethsemane. And we're gonna share the gospel with as many people as possible. We're gonna share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on whatever websites you have, inviting people to hear the story and to remember that the cross equals love. To remember that Gethsemane is the place where Jesus surrendered his will. When Jesus took his disciples to Gethsemane, he said, I want you to watch and pray. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Right now, that's what the world needs more than ever is a church that's awake and a church that's in prayer and a church that's walking in love, a church that's moving in compassion. God needs you. I need you. This church needs you. And so Jesus left his disciples and he began to pray. And the Bible says that Jesus fell to his knees. Gethsemane is the place where the humanity of God is revealed like never before. I mean, we always knew that Jesus was fully God, fully man, but in Gethsemane, it says he began to weep and he began to sweat drops of blood. Imagine going in one week from celebration to complete agony. Going from so much faith to a place of so much uncertainty. Everything changed in one week. That's what's happening right now in our world. Everything shifted. I was confident 
And yet here I am, I'm in Gethsemane and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm, I was in control, but now I'm not. And here Jesus begins to weep and he says, Lord, if there's any way for this cup of suffering to be taken away. But then he says this, not my will, but your will be done. Gethsemane is an invitation to surrender. Gethsemane is an invitation to intimacy. Gethsemane is an invitation to trust God in the midst of uncertainty. And I think a lot of us are in Gethsemane right now. I think a lot of us are in this holy week right now and we're watching the pain around the world. We're watching the, the inability to be able to control what we used to be able to control. It's, it's like our rights have been stripped away through this whole virus, through this whole pandemic. And we're trying to figure out, what do I do? What do I do? I'll tell you what to do. Meet me in Gethsemane and say, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Meet me at the cross and say, Jesus, I surrender. I don't understand, but faith begins where understanding ends. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. When life doesn't make sense, that's where we, we meet God at Gethsemane and say, Lord, I'm gonna choose to trust you and I'm gonna choose to surrender. And this week, Lord, I want you to make your presence so strong in and through my life. Bring me to a place of, of complete surrender. I believe this is a week that God wants to use your voice, your platform, to share the message of Easter with as many of your friends and coworkers and family members as possible. But what good is it if you lead the whole world to Christ and you miss out on Gethsemane yourself? This is why tonight is about looking in your heart and saying, Lord, is there anything in me that needs to be crucified? Is there any hurt, any wound, any unforgiveness, any anger, any hostility, any division that I'm carrying? Is there anything in me that I need to lay down? Any sins, any secrets that I need to bring to Gethsemane and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I wanna know you more. I wanna know you even through the tears. God says, it's easy to worship me when you have all the cheers, but real worship comes when you're walking through the tears. Real worship comes when you're facing all the jeers and the spears. Real worship flows when you go to Gethsemane and you say, God, I don't understand, but Lord, not my will, thy will be done. That's what I want us to do tonight. Would you meet me in Gethsemane? Jesus surrendered and he went to the cross. And his disciples, they all ran from Gethsemane. They all ran. And yet Jesus welcomed them all back. He said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. That you will return. And when you return, you'll be in one accord. And that you will be the church that the world needs. A church that's fully awake. A church that's fully alive. A church that's fully surrendered. A church that moves outside the walls of the prayer room and moves into the streets in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's where we're at right now. This is a, this is a week, holy week. Let me tell you something. The story does not end in Gethsemane. Gethsemane is not the destination, but it is part of the journey. You cannot get to the garden tomb until you go through Gethsemane. You cannot get to the empty tomb until you walk through Gethsemane. Gethsemane is not the destination, but it's absolutely essential to your story. 
Gethsemane is saying, I don't understand. I have tears. I have pain. I thought this was going to be easier. How am I supposed to get through this? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Join Jesus in Gethsemane. Join the group of believers that are saying, even in the midst of pain and uncertainty and life not making sense, and my friends in New York that are walking through the exile of what's going on there right now, join me in Gethsemane. Join me right there. I want to read something to you before we go into communion and worship team. If you can come up, we're going to go right into a song. I read this today. Someone sent me this. And this person was writing in their journal, and it, it began to spread on a blog all over the world, I guess, today. This young girl, she said, it's not lost on me that Holy Week of 2020 is also the week that scientists and experts have said might be the hardest week in the pandemic, perhaps the darkest days that Americans have seen for generations. I'm not asking with entitlement for a theatrical miracle or a poignant resurrection to show the whole world who's in control. I've learned to show up with burial spices. Death is part of life in this world. But I've also learned to look for the understated signs and wonders. The guy you thought was a graveyard gardener might be God himself this week. I've learned to listen to the rumors of women who swore that they saw angels at the tomb. I've learned that God cooks fish for you on the shore after all seems lost. Hope persists after expectations have been devastated. Hope is a calling. It's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's the humility of knowing that we see in a mirror dimly and we only know in part. But it takes faith in the face to face what is to come. Can I tell you tonight that God is going to reveal himself to you this week in, in an amazing way? I do believe there's going to be a powerful resurrection at the end of this week. But I also believe that even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of pain, God is right there at the garden. He's right there. He's right there in your house. He's in your apartment. He's right there. And he's looking for you to see him in this hour. He's looking for you to hold on to hope even when hope seems lost. He's looking for you to meet him in Gethsemane this week to say, Lord, I don't understand. Not my will, but thy will be done. So I'm going to ask us just to close our eyes all over this parking lot right there at your house. And if you're here tonight or you're watching online tonight and you need to surrender and you've been questioning and you've been overwhelmed and you've been discouraged and maybe you've even lost hope. Maybe you're even going through your own crucifix of some kind and it does feel painful. But you're saying tonight, I choose to surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. If that's you tonight, I want you to turn on your hazard lights right now in this parking lot. Hazard lights typically mean that the car is broke down. It means it's a breakdown. But in this case, the hazard lights mean it's a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough of hope. It's a breakthrough of the Holy Spirit. It's a breakthrough of God getting a hold of your heart. Come on, you're not broken down. You're about to break through. Those hazard lights are you saying, God, I don't understand. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but not my will. Your will be done. All over this parking lot, I don't know if the camera could span, but there's, there's lights, there's honks. Tonight, across America, across the world, you're saying, Jesus, I need you. 
Jesus, I surrender. I'm gonna stop fighting this in my own strength. God, I surrender. That's it, turn on the hazard lights tonight. Say, Lord, have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my marriage. Have your way in my family. Have your way. Have your way, God, not my will. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Right there as you're watching online, just click the hand. Just click the hand or say, that's me. I need that prayer. That's me. Wherever you're watching from at your house, just say, I'm right there with you. And keep your lights on tonight because I want you to pray this prayer with me all over this parking lot, those watching online. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. I need you. I need you. Not my will, but thy will be done. In every part of my life, thy will be done. I surrender. I repent. And I receive your forgiveness. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a honk of praise tonight. Let's worship God, let's worship. Let's worship it. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to got a comment tonight on our chat and our chat host is sending me some of these comments he said this comes from Jerby and Nimsy praise God we're so glad that we were able to make it to the parking lot for the drive-in service we drove all the way from Glendale California thank you victory for doing this I don't know where you're at wherever you are 
Where, hey, I don't know where you're at, but if that's you tonight, would you just turn on your hazard lights? Whoever that is, turn on your hazard lights. Who is that that, that pulled in tonight that drove all the way out there, there they are in the middle of the parking lot, waving their hands. Come on, Jervy and Nimsy from California drove tonight. Can y'all see that, cameras? Wow. That is just incredible. You know, we've been getting texts and, and people telling us that they came from Arkansas, came from Southern Oklahoma, but that's the farthest so far right there. I believe this is an hour where God is going to speak to his church like never before. He's going to light a fire in your heart. He's going to bring help to you this week. He's going to bring hope to you this week. He's going to do miracles in your life this week. So listen, we love you so much. I want us just to take communion tonight, even though you don't have the elements. I'm going to lead us in it. And then later tonight, you can take those elements or if you have crackers or juice in your car. The Bible says that Jesus took communion with his disciples the night before he went to the cross. And he said, this bread is my body that's broken for you. Take it and eat it and remember what Jesus has done tonight. We remember what Jesus has done right there in your house. If you wanna get some bread, get some crackers, take communion with us right there in your apartment, your dorm room, wherever you're watching from, your parents' house, your kids' house. Lord, we thank you that you paid the price for our sins. You went to the cross for us. Your body was broken so that ours could be healed. He lifted up the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Tonight, as we drink this juice, we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. 2,000 years ago on Holy Week, Gethsemane, he went to the cross for us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Man, how many are thankful that we have a Savior who went all the way from the cross to the grave and rose from the dead?